the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. We're so glad to have you join us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Johnny Abair. Hey, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning, hey, everybody. Johnny. Good to be with you. Good to be oh, with you. Oh, my goodness. Yay. I can't believe they're already halfway through December. Christmas is right around the corner. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Woo-hoo. Yes. We prepare. <laughs> <laughs> and my goodness. So, and today we are remembering, uh, we are asking for the intercession of St. John of the Cross, deep mystic. And uh, and he speaks of his uh, search for the Lord as if a bridegroom looking for his bride and the joy of finding the Lord. So let's call on him and, and all those in heaven this morning to join us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. O God, who gave the priest St. John an outstanding dedication to perfect self-denial and love of the cross, grant that by imitating him closely at all times, we may come to contemplate eternally your glory. We pray this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. St. John of the cross, pray for us. Pray for us. Thank you so much, Johnny. Looking forward to your gospel reflection. That'll be in about eight minutes. Stay with us or six minutes. Stay with us for that. In 18 minutes, Kevin Wells joins us. He's been with uh, on with us on Wake Up before, and he's going to talk about his book, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. So we're going to retouch on the story a little bit more and the importance of it. Looking forward to speaking to Kevin. In 35 minutes, Dina Dow joins us. She's the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis. And today we're going to be talking about the role of Mary in our lives. So we really, this whole week, been kind of talking about how to establish a relationship with Our Lady, how to grow into a deeper connection with Our Lady, how Our Lady can lead us closer to Christ. We're going to continue that discussion uh, and hopefully have a really good relationship with Our Lady and realize that she is just a perfect model for so many of us. And in 48 minutes, Kevin Clemens joins us. He's a senior director of curriculum for the Augustine Institute. And today he's going to be talking about a collaboration with Ignatius Press on a catechetical program focusing on revitalizing Catholic education. So Kevin is going to give us details on this. And of course, Alicia, we've been talking a lot about the weather. We've been seeing it. We're preparing. That's right. It's, not, it's looking not too too pretty right now. That's right. That's Soon. right. Lots of schools are out today in uh, preparation for the weather that's coming. It looks like it's slowed down a little bit, but this is part of that powerful system that continues to produce how uh, has 
heavy snow and blizzard conditions across mm-hmm. the north uh, and into the central plains. So there is se- severe storm and heavy rain threats across the south. Uh, it remains possible for all areas of southeast Louisiana and southern Mississippi today. Um, those impacts include damaging straight-line winds, large hail, isolated tornadoes, and intense rainfalls uh, that may cause some flash flooding. So remember, always have a have a plan for weather. Uh, so we are in Baton Rouge, Ponchatoula area. We're in a flood watch until 9 p.m. tonight, a tornado watch until 1 p.m. today. It's currently 74 in Baton Rouge, 72 in Ponchatoula. There's flood watch until 9 p.m. in New Orleans Luling area. They're in the low 70s this morning. Uh, Biloxi, mostly cloudy, then severe storms and breezy. It's 70 degrees there. Uh, Stick around. Up next is today's gospel and Johnny's reflection. It's five minutes after the hour on Wake Up. morning, a blessed feast of St. John of the Cross. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 7. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits, He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Well, guys, isn't it fitting uh, today that we honor, uh, we hear from two great saints who receive their greatest joy from the confines of a prison cell. Uh, I mean, first you got, of course, John the Baptist, uh, the last Old Testament prophet who gets confirmation that indeed uh, in prison, uh, he hears that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. And then our saint of the day, St. John of the Cross, writes his famous spiritual canticles while spending nine months in a tiny, dark prison cell. Both named John, both come to reform the world at a time of uh, great upheavals both imprisoned and tortured by their own contemporaries of the day who did not want to hear the truth, didn't want to change. Um, And yet both these saints ascended to the highest uh, levels of joy, of glory imaginable. But they had something much more in common than that. They both uh, have this similar path in which their souls are like a bride, described as like a bride chasing after the bridegroom, with bridegroom, of course, being Jesus Christ, being anxious to look for for him, and then filled with joy upon being reunited with Jesus, the source of all that they live for. You know, and uh, you, we, we can certainly say that that's really the whole story of the Bible, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, but it's also quite personal for us, because this isn't just their story. We kind of hope that it's our story too, right? Because mm-hmm. the question still remains, you know, is Jesus really who he says he is? 
you know, the world asks and still asks the question. And so we should be able to echo the same. See for yourselves, you know, the blind regain their sight, the lame walk, the poor having good news proclaimed to them. And to say, hey, it even got better than that because the Lord predicted his passion and his resurrection. And uh, these are the wit- there's witnesses to this, and we are his witnesses as well as miracles continue to abound even to this day in his name. So you start thinking about this darkness and yet this joy that emits from it. Did you ever notice that Advent and really many of the great events in the gospel happened right when things seemed darkest? I mean, talk about Advent, the star that filled the sky, you know, the, the dark sky, the wise men follow that. The angels appear to the, to the shepherds at night, you know. Jesus is born in the, at night in a stable. Jesus then later, he's betrayed at night. And when he dies on the cross, the sky is strangely darkened. But yet, that one great joy shatters a thousand sorrows. That's, there's a lot of deep personal meaning in this. So, for example, the other day I was listening to EWTN, you guys may follow this as well, and they were awarding this Mother Angelica Award to a former New Orleans Saint football great, Danny Obramowitz. And um, one of the people that was interviewed was our own Archbishop, you know, New Orleans Archbishop Gregory Amen. And this is what he said about, Abram- about Abramowitz. He says, uh, quote, I consider a high point of Danny's life his sharing of a low point. And I think you can relate to that. A high point of his life is mm-hmm. a sharing of his low point. You know, and that's, the, and that's the high point of our life, too, when he was, came out, tames, comes to us in our lowest points. And so, you know, I think all these, these lives, these events should comfort us. I mean, if, for example, right now, well, right now, if, if, if all you can feel or see in, in your particular situation is darkness, uh, even to the point you're finally feeling like imprisoned, maybe betrayed, ridiculed. You know, like them, we can take hope in the idea that this is like uh, the fertile ground for the Lord who's preparing you, preparing us for our greatest work in his name. <laughs> the shining moment, you know, when he will be vindicated. So I was thinking about this and making it even more personal, you know. So here's the message I think came to me for today. Um, when they come to me or come to you uh, and they say and ask us and they say so are you a follower of christ or should we look for another mm. you know we hope we pray that we can answer and say hey look for yourself uh, look <laughs> at me a sinner mm. <laughs> L- let me tell you what he's done in my life i am a witness and so this echoes then through the centuries up to the very uh, today to us personally. And so when that day comes, when indeed that, uh, that joy erupts out of the, our darkness, that's really our own great advent. And I, and I hope that uh, your advent's already come and that you will tell, as your listeners, tell, tell everyone your story. That's the best we can do. That's the best we can do in terms of proclaiming the gospel. Let our advent speak out across the darkness right guys beautiful Mm -hmm. you're right that's 
Most definitely. And and we've seen so many examples of different saints uh, that have had such dryness in prayer, but still persevered and realized that God is still very present in their lives, even if they don't feel it or they still feel like they're in that darkness. We see that with Mother Teresa. We see that with so many uh, other saints as well. Um, so we have to keep persevering that God will never abandon us, will never leave us. He is always there. Sometimes we just have to say, you know, something as simple as God, I need you or hello, you know, I'm, I'm, I want you here with me. Just something as simple. He wants us to reach out to him and he wants us to cry out to him and rely on him as well. So uh, I'm so glad that we have such wonderful examples of these saints, some who have gone through extreme measures and some who have not, uh, who, ha who have, who have been through that kind of stuff before uh, to, to, to show us that we are not alone. So, and then they're real people too. That's what's so great about right. us. Yes. <laughs> so they're yeah, great in fact, examples. Uh, in fact, we've started uh, doing videos of our, some of our parishioners who uh, really the Lord came to them in their darkest moments. It's just powerful. And these saints mm -hmm. are all around us. These people walking mm -hmm. all around us with these stories. And so let's just ask people, what's the Lord done in your life? You know, be witness to that. We're going to talk about, in fact, a saint, a uh, recent one uh, that maybe we've never heard of before. But if you're from South Korea, you may have heard of him. Uh, Kevin Wells is going to tell us about his book, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. It's quarter past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 14th. Today we celebrate Saint John of the Cross. Born in Spain in 1541, John was ordained a Carmelite priest at 25. He soon took up the work of reform, but the price was high. Misunderstanding, opposition, persecution. John was even imprisoned for a time by his own religious order. Its leaders opposed his determination to observe and promote the primitive Carmelite rule which emphasized austerity, poverty, and discipline. In prison, John came to know the cross acutely, to experience the dying of Jesus as he sat month after month in his dark, narrow cell with only his God as companion. But John also came to life in prison, spending hours uttering poetry. In the darkness of the dungeon, the mystic poet in John of the Cross flowered and was captured in his spiritual canticle. His prose masterpiece, Ascent to Mount Carmel, reveals his gifts as a psychologist theologian. Today's saint underlines the gospel paradox. The cross leads to resurrection, agony to ecstasy, darkness to light, abandonment to possession, denial of self to union with God. John of the Cross died in 1591 after a short but full life and was canonized in 1726. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Well, so glad you could join us on Wake Up this morning. It's 18 past the hour. I hope your Advent is going well, and it's a holy one, and in consistent with a, with a theme I think we got going this morning, in terms of darkness and joy, yet arising out of that. We're really excited to have author Kevin Wells join us to tell us about an incredible young priest, and it's all described in his book, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Johnny. Great to be with you. 
Oh, it's great to be with you as well. You know, Kevin, uh, if a job opening came up to me and said, hey, go to a poverty-stricken foreign country in the aftermath of a civil war to tell them about Jesus, who many never heard of a Jesus before, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't submit my resume. i got to be honest, but this young priest and American hero did just that. Please tell us, Kevin, about this uh, modern, uh, amazing man, Father Aloysius Schwartz. Yeah, he's he's a startling priest. Um, matter of fact, I believe what he accomplished had never been done in the history of the world. Uh, he um, essentially, Johnny, what he did was he raised his hand in 1957 and he asked his rector, what's the worst place in the world? He had just become ordained. And his rector said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I want to go to the worst place. And at that point, it was post-war Korea. Um so he was sent there on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. He got off a train on the southern peninsula of Korea, and he looked into a dystopian novel. He saw um, lepers in the streets rubbing their limbs off people to steal their money. He saw orphans dying with no one caring for them in the streets. The tubercular up on mountainsides that would just die because no one would go up there afraid to catch a disease. Women impregnated by American servicemen living underneath bridges, rejected by society. And Father Al, this young American priest, said, Mary, I've given you my life, and I will bring them all to your son. And within 15 years, um, he changed the entire country. Wow. <laughs> and his, and um, his legacy, we'll, we'll get into his legacy in a minute, but I'm really curious about what kind of obstacles and conditions maybe that we wouldn't even imagine, you know, these days, even persecution faced him, and, and how did he deal with that? Well, let's start with number one, he didn't speak the language. So, so he, he needed to learn the language, and when you see literally hundreds of thousands of the humiliated, the bullied, and the devastated laying around in the streets, you know, just after the war— you have to sort of cobble together in your mind, how do I do this, Mary? He had consecrated his entire life to um, Mary under the Virgin of the Poor, an apparition from Beno, Belgium. So, so it's sort of scratching your head and saying, okay, I want to get to all of them, but how? So, so he spent, get this, Johnny, he spent five years living in a condemned shack by a mountainside, no, no running water, no electricity, no plumbing, nothing, just, just awful, because he knew if he was going to sort of step into this land of devastation, he needed to absorb the, what, the, what the, you know, the old saints did, the mystics, the church doctors, the hermits, and, and absorb the, sort of an amputation of all of his comforts so he could come wow. out as a libation for the poor. And then that's what he did. He absorbed what the saints did, absorbed what Christ did from the cross, that, you know, that violence, that violence of poverty. And because he became poor, he could help the poor. And, and he got to work and he did it. Uh, how appropriate is it on this day we've been uh, remembering St. John of the Cross and, of course, John the Baptist speaking out from his imprisonment, and yet they seem to change the world as well. Uh, you know, so what were the fruits of these labors? Uh, I mean, uh, these, uh, it's pretty amazing to see what happened as a result of his devotion, you know, to, his, to the mission. Well, what he did, I, I, I encourage your listeners to, to read Priest and Beggar, uh, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz from Ignatius Press, because it's an important book for this time. Uh, this guy was around when Michael Jordan was playing basketball. This, this is what our world needs more, more than anything, I believe, from priests. 
It needs those priests that will agree to become victims. And they, there was no shortcuts with Father Al's life. Once he gave his life up as, his, as a slave to Mary, he could take no days off. So after he found a way to creatively raise the money, he started to build hospitals, elementary schools, tubercularians, leprosoriums, hospices. But really what he became known for was he started to take these, these little kids on the streets, these kids that were abandoned, the orphans, and build them these humble kingdoms of resurrection that he called boys' towns and girls' towns. And now, all these years later, um, 60 years later, there's over 20,000 children throughout the world in seven different countries who are living in these boys' towns and girls' towns. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, I mean, I was born in 58, so, I mean, this is like a real uh, contemporary, uh, you know, in terms of being able to relate to that, you know. Uh, you know, what his character, you know, one thing I, I noticed, or I was reading a little bit about him, was that he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, but he was wasting away at that time due to he contracted Lou Gehrig's disease. But he told his sister he'd be happy if his gravestone simply read, Here lies Father Al. He tried his best for Jesus. Oh, and huh. that says, talk, talk about his character and, and what uh, made him persevere through this. What is it we know about him? Well, you spoke of John the Baptist. Um, Father Al was enormously bold. Uh, once he gave everything over to Mary, he said, I, 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 can't, I can't take half measures or half steps. I must dive in fully. So um, very boldly, he took on corruption. He took on bad bishops. He took on, um, really, mafia gangsters in Korea. He took everyone on because, in a, in a sense, he knew that he was maternally protected by Mary. So, so uh, all the way until the Really, until 1989, he could not be stopped. Uh, he went to Korea and then to the Philippines. And as he was uh, at, a, at a far too young of an age, at 59, he contracted Lou Gehrig's disease. But even then, as his body was collapsing and sort of he was walking around with a cane and you know, his clothes really didn't fit anymore, even then he felt a call from Mexico, from Mary, who now was coming under the form of Our Lady of Guadalupe, who, who really told him in a very clear, internal way, Al, I want you to come to Mexico. Leave the Far East. Come to Mexico. My Juan Diegos are leaving the church. Poverty is crushing mm. them. Come. Wow. So he said, well, Mary, I'm dying from ALS, but you know what? You call me, so I go. So he ended up in Mexico in 1990, and in a wheelchair, really nailed to the crucifix of his wheelchair, where he really couldn't move anything in his body. He watched the first of his five, seven-story buildings in Girlstown go up, and uh, he died two years later in 1992. Wow, wow. wow. Uh, we're talking with author uh, Kevin Wells, and we're just, just talking about the book, Priest and Beggar, the Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, so his sainthood cause, he's at a venerable stage. Um, tell us about where that stands, Kevin. Really, you know, Johnny, it's, it's this simple. Uh, Pope Francis elevated him to Venerable in 2015, and he just needs two miracles. And I would encourage all your listeners, especially those maybe that have uh, muscular diseases, those with ALS, to call on Father Al for intercession. Um, I, don't know, I don't know who would be uh, sort of elevated 
to sainthood, if not Al Schwartz. Mm. He gave his entire life to God to help the poor. So he just needs two miracles, and, and, and Father Al's a saint. Wow, wow. So, so Kevin, where can we get a copy of the book? And, and what age, what ages, I guess, as young as could uh, take, uh, le- uh, I guess, learn from him uh, if they were to read it? Well, what I, what I would uh, encourage is, is uh, your listeners to go on to priestandbeggar.com. That's priestandbeggar.com. And, and really, I, something else I encourage, especially this time of year, uh, what he did is, is startling. It, it staggers the mind. He formed an order of uh, sisters, the Sisters of Mary. Today there's over 400 of them throughout the world, and he has these 21,000 children. And, and if your listeners read the book or learn more about what he began, um, I, I encourage them to maybe to donate. I, I didn't know much about them at all, but once I learned, once I went down to Girlstown in Mexico City, everything changed. My tithe changed. My life changed. I've been wow. back five or six times since. So go on, if, I would encourage your listeners to go on to worldvillages.org. That's worldvillages.org to learn more about Father Al, the sisters, and, and these humble kingdoms of resurrection. Wow, that's great, great, good to hear. And it does sound like, Kevin, like a, that you personally uh, benefited or were blessed by the life of, our, this, of Father, uh, Father Al. So hope maybe we all will. Hopefully we all will as well. Very good. I, yeah, Johnny, what, research in his life was a kick in the teeth. Oh, wow. <laughs> for you personally, right? Wow. Oh, Sounds yeah, like a, yeah he, he was a holy man. He, he sort of ma- made me size myself up and say, man, I got to. I gotta. If I'm going to be a saint, I got to be like this guy. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, what a beautiful example. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for you know for educating us and, and teaching us about uh, Father uh, the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz and and the ongoing missions and an opportunity. So that that website once again and where they can get the book, Kevin, if you don't mind. Okay, we're going to worldvillages.org. That's worldvillages.org to learn more about Father Al and his life. And as far as the book, you can order it on priestandbeggar.com or ignatius.com. It's the Ignatius Press book. Kevin, thank you so much. Kevin Wells, have a a blessed Advent to you and your family. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Johnny. You too. All right. Speaking of joy, hang around. Dina Dow for the Diocese of Baton Rouge joins us next. It is half past the hour on this Advent Wednesday. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Johnny Bear. Our next guest is Dina Dow. Dina is the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And today she joins us to talk about the role Mary plays in our life, the role she has in our life, uh, or even if you don't have a relationship with Our Lady, maybe starting today or this Advent season uh, to get to know her a little bit more. Good morning, Dina. Thanks for being with us today. 
Good morning. I'm at work early today to try to, to beat the rain. So I think we're going to ride it out here with a couple of rosaries. So I think we're going to do that today. <laughs> that is a good way to do that with uh, plenty of uh, uh, Marion's support and, and just having her with you. So tell us a little bit about this. You know, we've been touching on Mary a lot this week and last week on having a relationship with her. You know, we have some people going through RCIA. Maybe their kids are going through RCIC. Um, or maybe they're just new listeners, don't really have a relationship with Our Lady, or maybe we are wanting to deepen our relationship with Our Lady. So tell us a little bit about the role Mary has in our lives. Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, and I can relate to those that may not necessarily have a devotion or even an awareness of Mary and their faith life. Um, I was away for a long time, and Mary was always there. But we were um, kind of more geared, I guess, growing up towards St. Joseph and, and you know, Christ and the Bible. And, and Mary wasn't really a part of my consistent prayer life or devotion until I became a mother. And mm-hmm. it changed for me. And so um, there were some moments of a little bit of fear, you know, when you're pregnant and going through delivery. And I was asking the Lord, I'm a little afraid, and I don't know why, because this is so natural and but you know he inspired me and the lord's like well ask the blessed mother you know and talk to her about that and see mm-hmm. what she has to say about that and so what i did was i basically just kind of entered into that prayer like blessed mother show me your motherhood and 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 she was such a, just a beautiful intercessory for me alleviated most of my fears i hung on to a little of them mm-hmm. and then um and then when my, my oldest daughter was born, I remember holding her for the first time, and my one of my first thoughts, besides she's so beautiful, is, um, mm-hmm. oh, wow, she needs to come to know Jesus. How do I do that? I'm literally holding my daughter, newborn, thinking, how is she going to come to know Jesus? And I thought, oh, okay, Mary, I know you're right by my side. So that's kind of how that started for me, oh gosh, 27 years ago, um, on this path of really getting to know Mary. And what I, the more I learned about her, the more deeply, really appreciate what she has done for mankind, um, receiving Jesus into her womb, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which we're, you know, we're preparing for Christmas right now, leading us to Jesus in her everyday life, and then interceding for us. And one of my favorite quotes that um, Pope Benedict Fourteenth said about the Blessed Mother is, she's like a heavenly river upon whose flood all graces and gifts are born to us unhappy mortals. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she's a channel of grace for us, a river of grace of intercession. So that's some of the things that really kind of inspired me to really get to know the Blessed Mother. Yes, I remember uh, yeah, I went to Catholic school my whole uh, life, really up until college, and always seen statues of Mary and her stepping on a serpent. And I always thought to myself, uh, yeah. wow, you know, as a child, I always looked up to, you know, powerful women or good women role models or women I can look up to, uh, my mother being one of them, my grandmothers. Uh, but thinking to myself, wow, who is this lady? She is quite powerful. You know, she's always seen stepping on the foot of a servant to the point where, you know, Satan is afraid of her. 
Right, right. It's something we would run away from, right? We wouldn't ever mm-hmm. step on the head of a serpent. But, of course, you know, that's told to us and foretold to us in, in Genesis 3.15, you know, how the head of, um, you know, how she'll crush, you know, his head. And so I was thinking, too, you were talking about people that have inspired you, motherly figures that have inspired you in your mm-hmm. life. And my grandmother had such a great devotion to our our lady, and she always had her rosary next to her her little TV stand in her den where she watched TV, and she always had uh, the image of Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. So these were images mm-hmm. that I saw throughout their homes, both my grandmothers and in my parents' home too. When I was growing up, those are some of the practical ways that we can remind ourselves of the everlasting presence of the Blessed Mother in our lives who's ready to intercede for us. Another beautiful devotion mm-hmm. is um, Our Lady Endure of Knots. I was just talking about this with somebody yesterday. You know, the opportunity that through Mary's intercession, she can help undo our knots, things in our lives that are causing us suffering and struggle. And I think the reason why this is so prevalent for me right now personally, too, and which we were talking about, what do you want to talk about this morning? Because I recently went on retreat a couple of weeks ago um, to Our Lady of Hope Prayer Center up in uh, southern mm. Mississippi. And they have a whole just kind of field of statues of the Blessed Mother, like a Mary garden. And I, we walked the garden, and each image depicted a different apparition of Mary throughout uh, wow. the centuries. And it, it really honed in on how she is always persisting on giving us messages that lead us to her son. And so the best mm-hmm. way we get to know her is to study about the apparitions and listen to their stories of the witnesses that experienced them, but also to meditate upon the rosary, which is the life of Christ. And so that's how she leads us to him. And that's how I've kind of grown in my devotion to her is really committing myself to, you know, devotions like that and um, even chaplets of divine mercy, you know, where we know mm-hmm. that our Blessed Mother is interceding for us and leading us because Mary is in eternity right now, we know, bodily assumed in heaven with Jesus, and she is always by his side, always mm-hmm. by his side interceding for us. What a great hope that is for us today. Yeah, most definitely. So, Dina, what are some practical ways, and what can we do today or maybe this Advent as we prepare for Christmas and the coming of our Lord uh, to really maybe start that relationship with Mary or strengthen that relationship with Mary? Yeah, I would go to sacred scripture. I would go to the Gospel of Luke, and I would read the beautiful stories of the Blessed Mother, beginning with the Annunciation and going through all the way to the Wedding Feast of Cana, and then maybe skipping a little bit and going to the Passion Narrative. These are the moments that we see the Blessed Mother, what I would call in action, even though she seems like she's receiving like her receptivity of our Lord is action in her life. I would get to know her through sacred scripture, you know, initially. And then once we kind of have an understanding of Mary's action, then we kind of see how she's that disciple, always leading us to Jesus. She's following Jesus, and she's also calling us to follow her, to follow her son. I think that's a really good place to start is in scripture. And then start expanding or revisiting some of the devotions, especially, you know, you guys start the show with a memorare. Every morning mm-hmm. at 7 o'clock, which I think I've told you all before, that's how I learned it. Because I never learned it in school, but I learned the memorari listening to Catholic radio at 7 o'clock every morning. 
you know, and starting to pray prayers and asking the Blessed Mother to to allow us to get to know her better through her son. I think that those are some really easy ways, especially right now during the Advent season and leading us up to Christmas. And then we celebrate the Holy Family, you know, after and during the Christmas season. So there's just so many different ways. But I would start with Scripture. And, you know, you can dive into the Catechism, too. There's a beautiful section in the Catechism um, about the Blessed Mother and our devotion to her and what that looks like in our lives today. Absolutely. You can also stop by your local Catholic bookstore. There are so many wonderful resources for us to get to know Mary a little bit more, whether it's uh, books or beautiful rosaries, devotionals, just so many things. I know I remember stopping there in college when I really wanted to dig deeper and have that relationship with Mary, uh, you know, a real relationship with Mary. Uh, and, yeah. and that was one of the first places I stopped. So thank you so much, Dina yeah. Dow, Director of Evangelization and Catechesis. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Happy Advent and Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Advent and Merry Christmas. Again, Dina is with the Diocese of Baton Rouge. You can go to diobr.org to find out more about her and what she does. Kevin Clemens joins us when we come back from the break. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. It's 12 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Wake Up on Catholic Community Radio. I'm Alicia Quibita with Gabby Smith and Johnny Aitmere on this Wednesday morning. We are joined by Kevin Clemens. Kevin is the Senior Director of Curriculum of the Augustan Institute. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Alicia. So wonderful to have you with us this morning. It must be pretty exciting at the Augustan Institute, especially since the launch of this new project at the end of summer 2021. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so we've 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 launched the the kindergarten through fifth grade books, and we're we're whittling away with the. Uh, with some uh, eagerness at the middle school curriculum right now. Very exciting. So, so talk about this collaboration with Ignatius Press. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, the Augustinians just have had a, a pretty long stand. Later, um, you know, back even before our launch of the form platform. Um, but both apostolates here really saw the need for a response to the bishops' call curriculum for an evangelizing catechesis that is in in kind of Catholic grade schools all the way down to kindergarten looking for uh, a curriculum that would help to integrate maybe many things that have come untethered um, in the past decades and trying to bring not only the contents of the faith you know scripture the sacraments uh, the virtues and so on together but also bringing catechists teachers, parents, and students back into a tighter relationship mm -hmm. uh, so that we're really looking at the formation of the whole person. Wow. It's a wonderful program. Um, I, I spent some time uh, looking at your website. And let's talk about this. So this, you, you talk about this program seeking to reinvigorate Catholic education. Let's talk about that, that reinvigorate, that the need for that, uh, and, and how this program will, will do that. Word of Life program. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, it's no small task, right, um, to try to breathe life back where maybe things have become a, uh, a little stale. And, and, and of course, there's for, for all the, the new methods 
um, for for the books, for the the digital platform, for for creating all these materials. The the newness is always the gospel, which is ever mm-hmm. ancient, ever new, and it's 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 our Lord at the center. Yes. And so, by trying to uh, really capture the the dynamic of a living relationship with Jesus Christ, um, we we've sought to to do that here um, primarily through what we've called our four golden threads or four golden catechetical threads, um, which in short are salvation history, Christian anthropology, virtue and character formation, and then uh, discipleship, learning through discipleship. And and, in short, what those are is, again, trying to weave back together the, what too often are kind of disparate parts. And so we might we might be reading scripture this year, but but we never see how that relates to the church's liturgy, yes. or then how how you know the you know the the person of Abraham and Abraham's obedience of faith, or or Mary when Gabriel comes to her and she gives her fiat her assent of faith. We we don't we don't always like do the next step of bringing mm-hmm. students to see like how do I bring that into my own life? How do I incorporate that into my prayer? How, having received that, do I in turn go out and then show that same love and, you know, um, both in my relationship with my family and my friends, but then also, um, you know, going before the Blessed Sacrament, coming before the Lord. Um, and so it, it, in a lot of ways, the, the attempt to reinvigorate is, is really just the, the, the attempt to, uh, as St. Matthew would say uh, in his Gospel, Right, uh, we bring out treasures new and old. Yes. Right. We want. Yes. We, we want to go, and the the riches are all there, um, and we've just done our best to try to to bring as many of them out and and make them as as accessible and and kind of lively as possible here, given our context here in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes. So, so we're visiting with Kevin about the uh, the collaboration between Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press. Press with this, it's called Word of Life. It is a K through eight religion curriculum uh, for K through eight students. Right now, you said you have K through five out, Kevin. Yes, K through five are are out and running. It was a, a very ambitious goal to get uh, kindergarten <laughs> kind of launched first, and then uh, first through fifth grade all just came out this past year in one yeah. fell swoop and. Uh, we're excited. There's there's well over fifty thousand students already using this in parishes and schools, um, and the response has been re- re- remarkable. And we're we're just excited That's in the years amazing. ahead to continue to collaborate. Um, love, to keep keep making it better. I love that people are hungry for this, hungry for the truth. And so this is one of the first catechetical programs that has been approved by the USCCB. Um, uh, under a new process, so the, okay. so the bishops have uh, recently, in line with this this goal of um, an evangelizing catechesis, they launched the Institute on the Catechism, which is kind of piloting and bringing in a new a new process okay. for working alongside publishers to create ultimately catechetical resources that are are more more dynamic, more life-giving, that are going to better serve the needs of the Church today. Okay. Um, and we've been very blessed in that relationship, working working with the bishops. Many other publishers are doing so likewise. Oh, wonderful. Um, but yes. yeah, it's, it, it's exciting to see at all levels the Church recognizing that we just we, we can't just keep doing things as, as we've been doing them. But, yes. but, you know, John Paul's call for new ardor methods and expression, yes. there, there's a real attempt to do that now. 
That's awesome. Uh, Kevin, this is just not your your old-fashioned uh, workbook, right? This isn't what we had in CCD many years ago. <laughs> this is a dynamic combination of a few things. Can you tell our listeners uh, what, what all is involved in the, the Word of Life curriculum? Sure. So at, at the heart is, is kind of the student books, and then we have supporting, you know, uh, rather sizable uh, with, with plenty of resources for, for teachers in the school setting or for catechists in a parish setting. Um, and that, that's kind of on the print side. Uh, but then we have a whole online portal um, for, for teachers and catechists, for parents, for students, that contains everything from uh, supplemental videos that we, we've created alongside our, our studios at the Augustine Institute, uh, additional handouts, worksheets, online assessments and activities, music, uh, you, you name it, it's probably there. Um, and, and the goal is to, again, by trying to bridge that relationship, tie the relationship between parents, teachers, catechists, students, tie it back together more firmly. There's Kevin? Oh, I think. Oh, sorry, did Maybe. I drop off there? You did, but you're back oh, just in okay. time. <laughs> okay, uh, apologies here. Um, That's okay. But wintry here in Denver. Oh, um, but uh, yes, all, all all that to say is the the online portal is is really an attempt to meet the needs of students in a way that obviously they're in the 21st century. Yes. Um, technology is part of our lives but yes. also to provide more materials for them to watch alongside their parents, to interact with mom and dad, uh, to be growing in the faith together. And it's a wonderful program. Kevin Clemens, Senior Director of Curriculum with the Augustine Institute. We're talking about Word of Life, K-8 through curriculum. Kevin, let our listeners know the website to find out more information. Sure, you can find it at wordoflifeseries.org wordoflifeseries.org. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Kevin. Have a blessed remainder of your Advent and a Merry Christmas. Great. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Wow. What an awesome program. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, let's uh, go out in prayer as we say in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Precious Lord, as we embrace this Advent season, please open our eyes to see the great blessing of your incarnation. May we discover your hidden presence in the world and within our own souls. Comfort us in our darkness with the confidence that you are coming as the light of the world to complete our joy. O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Radio.